Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Jordan, doing well. I, I hesitate to say that I'm in a better mood this week because I know people can get in trouble when they say that sort of thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> I had already forgotten that it happened. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> it feels like years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know we'll get to that. Uh, Sean McVay's interesting comment. But yeah, Jordan, good good to be with you and uh, good, good time, I think, because uh, just amazing how fast the offseason goes, right? I mean, we pretty much are, are now, uh, you know, wrapping up this, this period of of, of OTAs and, and all of that. And Jordan, I know you got some fantastic insights throughout all of that. Got to go out to that uh, open practice at SoFi Stadium. I want to hear about how that went for you and uh, just, you know, how do we feel here at the kind of the, I guess we say the, the midpoint of the offseason, but really the next time uh, the Rams are on the field will be at the start of training camp. So, so really almost kind of the end of the offseason. Yeah. And just to reiterate, because I saw some confusion out there floating along the the Twitter webs, um, which is always the number one source of information, you know, sure. definitely always credible. And I think this is partially on the Rams because they didn't really put out an announcement about this because it was kind of like behind the scenes what happened. But Sean McVay and players actually negotiated a cut short a week of OTAs. This was back when um, like all the NFLPA statements were coming out and players were trying to figure out what they wanted the offseason programming to look like. And so they they worked through um, sort of a compromise where they would get two weeks of OTAs and then the mandatory minicamp would be moved up. Now that would fulfill some of the minicamp requirements, quote unquote. And there's just, it's all just technical stuff by the league and sometimes for contracts and sometimes there's different bonuses. The Rams don't do a lot of off-season incentives, but in some cases there have been. Um, So that would satisfy certain players' um, incentives. And then also... Um, though it would be like, yeah, you could come. We hope you come, but you don't have to. So we say mandatory minicamp, but it's kind of like with a wink because there's right. not there's not really any nobody's holding people's feet to the fire, you know, about <laughs> about being there or not being there. So um, and and we'll get to those things in a, in a minute, I'm sure. But um, yeah, feeling good. My sunburn's starting to peel. Um, from, from being out there, loved being out there, uh, as you guys know, wrote a bunch of pieces over the athletic. If you haven't checked those out yet, you should, uh, lots of observations. Um, I'm not going to harp on this, although I know we would love to, but just keep in mind that there are some things I'm prohibited from reporting, uh, until the head coach addresses them directly, or I ask him an incredibly leading question to get him to address it correctly. Um, so things like first and second team, I know that first day, 
that first day of observations, I had some notes on first and second team linebackers and tandems and offensive linemen. Um, that was not something that uh, they wanted to sort of continue with in terms of like access regulations. So um, I- I'll try to do what I can. And we'll, I, I would imagine things change by the time training camp gets here. And um, this is not unique to the Rams. Every team has right. a set of rules like this. But just wanted to say that this month and next month is when depth charts projections start coming out and um, predictions and position reviews start coming out. So I would advise you guys, just because I can't directly report something that I saw happening on the field, I would very much advise you guys to pay attention to those because in that way, I think I can share some insight um, that maybe was not, I I tried hinting as strongly as possible in some of these pieces, (laughs) but, and, and, and so I think, uh, and then, you know, at the end of the SoFi, after the SoFi practice, Sean McVay did address a, a bunch of different things. I asked him like a series of um, very leading questions about like depth and starters and all of that. So um, he took it in strides. <laughs> so um, yeah, you guys make sure and go check that out. Um, it was really cool to be in SoFi, Rich. Um, I know you've been there before, but having fans there, um, it just was so, it just was delightful. That's really what I could say about it. It just was really delightful. Yeah, it's and you know, you know the players miss it too. I mean, it, they they obviously are focused on what's going on on the field, but you've already seen it. Not to not to translate too far, but you know, with some of the hockey playoffs that are going on, some of the basketball playoffs that are going on, when you see some of these buildings that are now full or near capacity, it makes such a difference. I mean, and you can just tell the intensity of the game and the way the players are reacting and playing off of the fans or reacting to the fans or talking trash to the fans even. Um, It's just, it it makes, it's what makes sports fun in in a lot of ways. And we really missed a lot of that uh, over the last year. So certainly an awesome sign to see uh, so many Rams fans in that building, and and yeah, Jordan, it's it's a great point. I know, like it, it is a, a delicate not not that people need to feel sorry for us or anything like that, but it's it's a delicate place for uh, reporters to be in because yes, you are allowed to watch certain things, but you are also not. Uh, allowed to report certain things. And it's not just print reporters. I've seen plenty of, you know, TV cameras out there. And then when they start, you know, pointing their cameras in the direction of of 11 on 11, then you see somebody running over right away going, "Uh uh-uh, nope, can't do that. Can't, don't, don't, not showing those, those personnel groupings or, or that sort of thing. So, you know, you you can talk about are they being paranoid with certain things? Yeah, maybe they are, but but it's certainly not just the Rams, and it's just kind of the lay of the land. But yeah, read uh, read Jordan's. Uh, we, we should come up with like a decoder ring or something, Jordan. So I know that, I have uh, all of these. I, I'm waiting for some of you guys to find some of the Easter eggs in some of these stories. I really Easter do. Eggs, yeah. I intentionally do plant things in them sometimes to see if people will reach out to me either in the comments or privately to say like, <laughs> is. I think I, I think you meant this by saying this, but I'm not quite sure. So um, that that has been fun, and yeah, like it, it's you know I've been in some places that you know from college all the way up to pros. Like I've been in some places where truly some wild rules were in place, like you know can't tweet the music or whatever. They the Rams don't care about that crap. Like they're they're like you know oh right. you know Raheem Morris is coaching in you know Air Jordan Concord Low Elevens. Um, which I think is awesome. Wow. 
And that's that's fair game. Whereas at certain other places, you wouldn't be allowed to report that. So it's it's just it just depends on the place. We're not going to get too into the weeds of it because we got lots yeah. and lots of notes to talk about here. But um, Rich, I think what would be helpful is okay. if uh, you because there's so much here. I know we all have all these tabs. We both have all these tabs pulled up because there was just so many <laughs> new things and things to do. Well, would I think be helpful is if we kind of go through a little bit of a quick quick question and response. Sure. Um, segment here where you ask me about certain things that you're thinking about or where what you want to know or what you think fans would want to know. And then I'll answer to the best of my ability and then we can maybe discuss a little bit. How does that sound? Yeah, I wanted to start out just with, and and people should know, I mean, you got, you got to watch a fair amount of, of the OTAs. You, you weren't allowed in every single one. So that should, there should also be a little bit of a, a disclaimer there. Uh, you, you certainly got to watch as much as you were allowed to watch. So I know you were out there for, for all that you could. But um, just any any position grouping. I don't want to use the word surprise, but maybe just compared to your expectations or uh, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about you know who was starting or first string, second string, or any of that. God but just forbid. Watch. What's that? God forbid. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but anything just in watching them where you were like, wow, I didn't expect that, or, or that that group stood out to me, or even I'm a little more concerned with that group than than I was at the start of OTAs. Any any particular group or groups uh, that that grabbed you there? Yeah, I am a little concerned about outside linebacker opposite of Leonard Floyd. First of all, I could not be more impressed with Leonard Floyd throughout this entire spring. This guy shows up to everything that I could see. I mean, I wasn't didn't we didn't we didn't have access to every single day, but everything that I could see, he showed up through the entire spring and not just showed up but like worked out with the younger guys. Now, Leonard Floyd, I don't know if a lot of people know, like Leonard Floyd's a really quiet guy. He's really about football and just focuses and is is like kind of just he's just this presence, right? That he's just he's just around and like he he's just quietly, quietly works. But during this uh, spring section, he was taking rookies aside and like working on with them on their hand placement and hand technique and that's something I think Raheem Morris, Raheem Morris was watching one of the sessions he was doing with, with Chris Garrett, the rookie seventh round pick, who, by the way, that is something that surprised me. That dude is huge. Ah. Um, so I think we, we could be, uh, cautiously optimistic as long as he gets on the right development path, um, that he could really, he could really be somebody because, um, he's just, he's got all the physical tools, but Raheem Morris is watching Chris Garrett and Leonard Floyd work. And you just saw this giant, like, knowing smile on Raheem Morris's face because teachers recognize when other teachers teach. And so that was really, I think, something that was very cool to me. Now, on the other side of Leonard Floyd, I am a little concerned. Um, Terrell Lewis did not practice the entire time. Uh, mm. He worked on the side with trainers. So it wasn't just that he didn't practice. He went through what I would characterize without speculating as rehabilitation work with trainers specifically. So that's definitely something that I'm concerned about and still looking at. Now, we know uh, we've been going through this for the last year just about with Terrell Lewis. So much potential, so much promise there. The Rams will probably want to like keep him on a little bit of a pitch count because they want to maximize his ability because it just seems like that knee issue is um, just – it just keeps popping up. And Sean McVay didn't even have uh, – 
a timeline or an update on his health status. Hmm. Whereas with a guy like Daryl Henderson or Taylor Rapp or Terrell Burgess, who we knew were coming back from injury as well, um, he was able to provide like positive updates on them. And they were able to work into drills and and Taylor Rapp especially looks completely healthy. Um, and, and Terrell Burgess was like probably a 90% of the drills. Daryl Henderson, probably out 60 to 70% of the drills. And then they did work on the side. Terrell Lewis did not at all uh, work into the to the seven on sevens or eleven on elevens or even some of the pass rush drills. So that's something I'm concerned about. Um, that's my one of my bigger questions on the defensive side. Also, they're like very clearly trying to find what their personality is going to be at linebacker. And what I mean by that is we talked about this on a previous podcast. What I mean by that is finding out which tandems work because. They haven't made any any moves so far, um, other than drafting Ernest Ernest Brown, and so that tells me that they're kind of staying put until they like figuring out what they have. You know, I, I wouldn't rule out completely maybe like a late, late, late off season move there, but we know that in terms of their roster building, the linebacker position is a little bit lower um, in the hierarchy in terms of investment of resources. So they're clearly trying to figure out like what personality they have in terms of working those guys in tandem. Now, one of the players will, their mic, they don't have a true mic, but their mic player will. Um, stay on the field for most, if not all, of the defensive snaps. So it's finding that guy, first of all, and then figuring out who's going to run in tandem and complement with him. And now what I kind of think is that they're looking for maybe a power guy with a little little speed, but like mostly a power guy to be that sort of Mike backer. And then in complement, running a really quick, versatile, um, could could maybe play that hybrid bigger nickel um, pass rush blitzer role, something that Kenny Young started to do at the end of last year and like really kind of found his stride a little bit at the end of last year. Um, but they also are, are maybe interested in Traven Howard in that regard. Um, yeah. So I think that you're looking at those types of tandems. And so those are the sort of, to me, those are the two, the two biggest questions um, for me. And it was interesting that they were both on the defensive side, although I guess with the loss of personnel, um, those were just the things that that kind of stuck out to me the most. Yeah, that's um, boy. You know, feel really bad for for Terrell Lewis, but I mean, this is not something we were unaware of, um, even when when he was drafted that that it could be an issue. So you know, hoping that um, for his sake anyway that that it's something that they're just managing through the off season and that they feel like well, if we keep him kind of you know rested in wraps uh, for a while and uh, when training camp comes around that that he can go, but. Um, it's, it's a little scary for, for a young guy who's had some of these issues. Um, you don't know what the future is going to hold for him. And, uh, it's not a position with a ton of depth for the Rams anyway. It's really going to, uh, if, if he has, if he's limited in any way, it puts a lot of pressure on somebody like Oboe. Okoronkwo, yeah. or, um, you know, to, cause they, they just don't have that real depth, at least in terms of more, exter- more experienced players. Yeah, and Oba looked good. The one thing uh, that I thought was really fascinating, I didn't get a chance to write about it yet. I might later, because I think it could be like kind of a neat story, but I have to figure out if there's even really anything there on it. Um, One thing that I really thought was interesting about Oboe, so it's very clear at this point to me that he'll be in a speed rush role specifically. And the reason it's clear to me that he will be is because when he was running through pass rush drills, he was doing so not out of a three-point stance, but out of a sprinter start stance. 
And that's something that only a few guys around the league ran, like are, do. And usually it's someone who's a little bit undersized because what that does is um, it, it's basically a crouch, like almost like a, a pounce, like you're, you're gearing up to pounce. And what it does is it gives you lower leverage under the pads of the opposite offensive lineman because you're lower to the ground and you spring up and, and diagonal so that you have that sort of leverage point um, that by the laws of physics gives you a little bit more of an advantage if you're undersized. And it, it kind of allows them to pop off balance a little bit. The reason, the way that I kind of first got to know about that was when I covered Bruce Irvin in Carolina, because he used to go down into a, a such a low sprinter stance, such a low crouch, and he could balance without either of his hands on the ground in that wow. stance. So it was almost like he was <laughs> hovering over the ground. Like it was freaking insane. Yeah. And I talked to him about it and he talked to me all about the leverage and how it's, it's uh, you know, speed guys who want to really be a speed rush uh, asset will kind of maybe try to learn that type of thing, not, not just to cut off some time, but to add some explosiveness. The thing is, is you need to le- you need to figure out, and I'm sure Oboe is and has and will be wor- doing this. You need to figure out you d- you don't want to give it away by being in that stance. Like they they can't know that you're hitting them with the speed rush, right? So you want to figure out. Sometimes you're going to have one hand in the dirt when you're in that stance. Some ha- sometimes two, and mix it up so that the offensive lineman isn't looking at your tell. So that's one thing that I really thought was interesting about watching Oboe. If he can stay healthy, I think. Great. I think he he could be really a good player. Yeah. Um, and he's bigger than Samson Ebucom. Um, he's a little bit more powerful, I think. So they might have some a little bit more success in that speed rush package. Um, but he's got he's really got to stay healthy. Um, but I I thought that was a kind of an interesting tidbit. I didn't put it in my notebook because I kind of want to write about it. <laughs> but I don't. But I, that yeah. might be a training camp piece. Yeah, for sure. That's that's fantastic um, insight there. And yeah, but before we, I, I we spent a lot of time talking about the uh, the defense. And before we pivot to the other side of the ball, I just wanted to point out uh, Jordan mentioned her work on the athletic on our app and website. Uh, to, to, as Monday as we record this, just published a couple hours ago, another fantastic in depth uh, piece on uh, Jacob Harris, tight end, uh, following Jordan's series. On the uh, the three uh, draft picks, uh, Bobby Brown, Robert Rochelle, and then and then Jacob Harris, just um, amazing insight into um, you know what the Rams saw in these guys and uh, the the process that went into uh, drafting them. So definitely check that out uh, if you haven't already. But uh, Jordan, obviously we want to we want to talk about Matthew Stafford, and mm-hmm. um, you know I mean Matthew Stafford is who he is. People have watched him play football now for a long period of time, so we don't I don't think we need to go too much into well what kind of a quarter quarterback is he I think pretty much people know uh, what that is but um, you talked I know to to some of his receivers and you talked about that relationship and we know how important that is we know how Jared Goff had a very tight relationship for instance with Cooper Cup mm-hmm. and with Tyler Higby and even with Robert Woods uh, what what did you kind of learn watching those practices and talking to these guys kind of about how that uh, relationships or how those relationships are developing yeah, in terms of observationally speaking alone, like just what I saw, what I heard, um, Matthew Stafford just seems like really easy to get along with. And you kind of get that impression from his press conferences, of course, but you never know sometimes if a player is going to be different on the field versus in the media room. But watching him interact with his receivers and sort of like a very quiet confident command of of the huddle as well even without knowing all the intricacies of what's going on um was was interesting and he and cooper cup 
especially uh, had Cooper Cup. So, so here's one thing I want hope people understand, and I want people to to really hear and understand because some of the stuff I see on Twitter I cannot believe um, in terms of like speculation and stuff. Um, sometimes the reason why you hear more about certain guys is because the other guys aren't present, right? So we kind of covered this on the other podcast where it was like, um, you know, Dante Dion was getting reps against Cooper Cup, a first teamer. Well, that doesn't mean that Dante Dion is getting first team reps. It just was that Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey weren't there for that particular time of camp. And so you put in who you feel is your most experienced corner, your best corner. So Dante Dion and, and Robert Rochelle um, and David Long were, were getting reps against the, the first team because their two starters were not there. So in terms of the receivers, definitely take this that with a grain of salt. So with Cooper Cup, Cooper was there throughout the entirety of what I, what I saw of OTAs, but then did not participate in this sort of quote-unquote voluntary slash mandatory minicamp. So instead, you know, you get a lot of Van Jefferson, you get a lot of, during the minicamp specifically, you get a lot of Van Jefferson, you get some Tristan Jackson, you get other guys who are working into the rotation. Robert Woods was trickling in and out through the entire spring. Deshaun Jackson was trickling in and out through the entire spring. But that's a good thing. These are veteran players. Yes, you need to build the rapport with the quarterback, which they very much are doing, and especially Cooper being there through the the purely voluntary portions, I think was important. And he was in constant communication with Matthew Stafford when he wasn't practicing. He had a play card in his hand. And uh, one commenter said that asked if it was a play sheet. And I, I think I confused the people, <laughs> but I've always heard it as a play card, but yes, it is a play sheet. He had it in his right. hand. Um, I think it's cause it's made of like cards, this like thicker cardstock. Cause these guys are like spitting and swearing and running around <laughs> and sweating. So you want it to be like a little bit thicker material, but anyway, I digress. So he, he has a play card and he's in constant communication with, with Matthew, um, between plays, after plays, before plays with other people in the huddle. He's helping coaching up other receivers and working on timing. And that thing, that was important because not only is are you still in a way developing that communication that you really need between quarterback and receiver, but you also are giving other guys an opportunity to get their feet under them because nobody had this last year. And so you're, you're getting Matthew and other quarterbacks a rotation of guys to start to get adjusted to not just Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, um, which is very important in its own right. But um, these are all veterans, so they kind of know how the process works and how it goes. And, and they also are going to be doing some throwing sessions in the spring um, during the off time. So I think that's important as well. But it's all about that communication. And, and it's, it's like they're all learning a new language. You know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup already know the language, but they don't know how to tr- – well, they do know how to translate it, but it's about figuring out that shared language together, that translation between what Matthew Stafford knows and sees – and what he's learning and then what Cooper Cup and Robert Woods already know. Um, so it's yeah. it's a really complicated process, but um, been, been fun to watch kind of unfold. The, we went from the first week of OTAs, sometimes Matthew Safford would stop in the middle of a seven-on-seven seven and like he and Sean McVay would talk because they would ask, you know, he would ask what he's, uh, what, what Matthew's seeing, and they'd communicate about what they're seeing and different route concepts and different tiers of the offense and how it's supposed to unfold and all of these things. And by the time minicamp came around, um, they were just go, 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 go. So you could kind of see it happen in, in real time, which was pretty cool. 
I do want to get your your uh, thoughts on the on the on the V comment capital T capital oh, C. Oh, the uh, But but it, it seems to me, uh, you know, in 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 general, re- regardless of that comment, uh, the reason why Sean McVay might be you know a little excited, I I, I think he. I think he really appreciates being able to do things like that with with Matthew Stafford, and even independent of whether or not it helps you win football games. I mean, we all know Sean McVay is kind of he's a football nerd, right? And I mean that in the in the best possible sense. Like, he, even if he wasn't coaching in the NFL, he would be super interested in this process and and you know working through these sort of things. So I, I know how much it energizes him and enthuses him uh, to to do things like that. And I, I think he may, may might have even a little bit more of a kindred spirit in a guy like, like Matthew Stafford. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that translates um, because you, you didn't see a whole lot of that. I mean, I, I speak generally, which is a, always a dangerous thing to do, but I, I don't know whether you would have seen so much of that when it was Sean McVay and Jared Goff. It was, you know, a little bit more of a one-way conversation uh, probably at, at times than, than kind of the two of them uh, working it out together. And obviously that evolved, that changed over time. But but I think having somebody in there who's kind of been through so much the way that Matthew Stafford has, I have to imagine that, that Sean uh, really appreciates that and, and adds kind of a different element to, to the way that, that he approaches things uh, on the coaching side. But, but Jordan, yeah. what oh, – go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say I always go back to that one comment that Sean made at the very beginning of the year um, last year when they were – obviously there's no spring, but they're a uh, real spring workout period, but they're installing things. And it's like the very beginning of actual on-field, like training camp work. And um, we were asking about Kevin O'Connell and Sean basically did like a little bit of a word vomit, I think. And he was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't even have to go over to the quarterbacks at all. Like, I don't have to worry. Like, like almost like, right. thank God, you know? And, and I think, <laughs> and I, and I didn't take it that way necessarily at the time, obviously being very green and not really understanding some of the, the, the dynamics of what was happening. But, but now I, I look back at it now and it's like, okay, well, um, that sort of was like one of the big red flags that, um, I, a dunce should have caught, <laughs> but, um, didn't at the time, obviously. So I think that Sean, there is, um, a lot to be said fairly, uh, in criticism of the communication breakdown. Um, I'm not saying that it was all a one way street, but I think that there is, when you're a head coach, um, you obviously need to be carrying that onus on yourself to make sure there is not a communication breakdown. And so, um, that part of it, I would, I would think that there's very fair criticism to be had and also some criticism that he has not only self-scouted, but also internalized via maybe some other people who he trusts in the building, where it's like, bro, you cannot let that happen again. You can't just stop communicating with somebody because you're frustrated. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm editorializing. So no, I'm not in the building listening to these conversations happening, but I, I, I get the, I get the sense that, um, that is something where, uh, you need to it needs to be recognized that yes you weren't happy with your former quarterback and he was turning the ball over a lot and maybe spooked in some ways about different things uh different reactions to things different reactions to turnovers and maybe playing safer than you really wanted to um in some ways but also you know you can't let the communication break down and so making sure right out of the gate that 
you're collaborating and, and communicating with your new quarterback, um, I would imagine is a little bit of a point of emphasis in that regard. Yeah, great, great points, Jordan. And yeah, I think that's fair all the way around. I mean, you say you're editorializing, but I, I think it's just it's it's good analysis is what I would call it. And uh, I didn't see it either. I mean, I, I heard the same comment that you did and and read it, and I, I, it didn't hit me as particularly troublesome or strange at the time. But you're certainly right when you look back, you go, "Wow, that's uh, especially knowing uh, you know how important that relationship is between a quarterback and a head coach, and especially for a guy like Sean McVay, who uh, you know a former." quarterback himself obviously has his fingerprints all over that offense and uh, the fact that that he would have that feeling a year ago um, is revealing when you when you look at it in the context of, of what happened during the season and certainly what happened after the season with the trade uh, you, you certainly get a new perspective on a comment like that right. so I don't I don't think you missed anything like, Jordan oh, damn it <laughs> yeah no but uh, you know it's certainly when when you go back it uh, it, it adds a whole layer of of, of context to it and uh, speaking of context, um, I, I don't want to. Yeah, Good thank segue. you. Yeah, I had that written down. I don't want to dwell too much on this. You know, we don't. We don't need to. It's, I think most people have already forgotten about it anyway. But it, it was interesting to me, Jordan, and I wanted to get your your take on it. Obviously, at the before the uh, open practice on on the tenth. Um, last Thursday, Sean McVay was speaking uh, at this uh, press conference for the Super Bowl host committee and I guess was you know, taking questions and and was asked very generally, <laughs> what do you think about your new quarterback? Which is really, you can take that pretty much in any direction that you want um, <laughs> and answer it in any way that you want. And the way that Sean McVay chose to answer it was by saying to start I think I've been very happy. Everybody says, man, you just seem like you're in a better mood this offseason. I said, you're damn right I am. <laughs> um, this guy, he's a special guy talking about Matthew Stafford, and I won't read the whole thing, but goes on to, to um, give quite a bit of praise. Uh, about uh, Matthew Stafford and what he's been doing. Now, uh, obviously, I, I heard that. My ears perked up. I know all of the, the beat writers, people who were there, you know, you tweeted it. It got out there. Um, what Sean McVay said, nobody misquoted him. Nobody. Uh, There's a video. Greg Beecham of the Associated Press got a, got a video. <laughs> right. And and you did exactly what uh, you, meaning all of the, the reporters, beat writers, did what I would expect you would do, which was to put it out there. And then after the practice, when Sean McVay was available again to media, um, he clarified that. He said something that I didn't like, which was to uh, insinuate that he was taken out of context. Uh, I don't think that's true at all. Uh, I, I think he probably got a little excited <laughs> with what he was saying. And I certainly do not, and I will stress this, I do not in any way think Sean McVay intended to slight Jared Goff. I don't think he said that with the thought in his mind, I'm going to slam Jared and, you know, I'm going to make everybody know how much I hated Jared Goff and how much I love Matthew Stafford. There's no thought in my mind that he intended to do that. But that is kind of how it came off with, with the way that he uh, spoke. I mean, obviously, you're creating a contrast. You're saying, I'm in a better mood this offseason. Well, Let's extrapolate here. Why are you in a better mood? Well, because you got a different quarterback. Um, so, you know, Jordan, I, I didn't I didn't like the way that it was kind of 
defended, like he was taken out of context. I really don't have any problem with what Sean said. I think he spoke his mind. I think he said exactly what he thought. I, th- I thought it was a good answer. It was articulate. It was passionate. I didn't have any problem with what he said at all. But but how did it hit you? I mean, you were there and you you heard it. You saw it happen in real time. I mean, did it, did it get kind of blown up in, in certain circles more than it should have? Or, or how did you kind of process that whole thing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like when he said it, I just, you know, I just was like, this is not a surprise to me. I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, it's it's pretty clear. He really likes working with Matthew Stafford. He right. traded for him. So I'm like, I would hope that you're in a good mood if and you, you like this guy better than the last guy. No, no offense meant to anybody. But I, I was right. like, if, if you are going to push that many chips in on somebody, I would hope that you think that it's a good decision. Um, otherwise, we have some, some big problems here. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. The context of Jared and how their communication and professional relationship broke down over the last year and a half, if you're a head coach and you are addressing the media or um, even people in private because, um, you know, public or private, when you're talking about this, you you just, that context is always going to be sort of a cloud around it. It's not that you meant it a certain way. But the context of what the trade was and why it happened is always going to be associated with your comments on Matthew Stafford. And whether that's fair or not, it is part of the reason why he traded for Matthew Stafford. So when he was asked directly about Matthew, do I think that he could have maybe phrased it another way? Yeah, absolutely. But again, like Sean McVay's what, what, 35 and does do a little word vomiting sometimes and gets ahead of himself sometimes, I think. Um, and, you know, it, that's, that's, that is what it is. And so for this, like, I, I don't know, I don't take any personal offense to the whole, like, stop twisting my words comment that he said, because he, he even knew he was full of shit by saying that. I mean, you see his face, <laughs> you see his face when he says it, and he gets that little, like, jokey voice that he, that he does when he's, like, trying to make a joke through Zoom, right. which is very difficult to do. And he, he even yes. knew he was full of shit. So it's not something I'm concerned about. <laughs> so it was it was just one of those things where I think that especially because of the perception and because of the the things that we know to be true about the deterioration of the relationship, you just really want to be careful and err extra on the side of caution of taking that high road, especially when there's even a chance. Because here's the thing, like – there were most of the core beat people were there. All anybody did was just share out what the comments were. And then association right. via the world that we all just love so dearly of social media, all of that context, everybody knows the context. That's the thing. So if it's right. that clear to people pulling it and citing it and quoting it, especially when asked directly about the quarterback, if, if you know that's going to happen, just avoid it. Stay away from it. It's it's okay to respect the past and then to also be really excited about the future. And I think that's really ultimately how he feels, but it just sometimes sometimes a little word vomit happens, you know? Like it just it is what it is. So yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like that's that's so well said, Jordan. Because you you could like he he was asked the question, "What do you think about your new quarterback?" Well, he could have gone, it, it, like I said, any way with it, and he eventually did go, get on to some direct praise of of Matthew Stafford. But where he started was by saying, "I'm in a 
better mood this off season. Sure. Well, okay. Well, you're the one who's who's painting the contrast right away. Well, you're in a better mood because you have Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. Like there's there's no other way to interpret that. I don't know. I don't right. know how else you you would interpret that. And and if he feels that way, then that's fine. Again, I don't have any I I I, I like the fact that, that a coach would come out and, and be honest like that. But I agree, Jordan. Uh, you know, it, it, it may be, especially when you're playing the guy this year. Yeah, and I might, that's where like I might a, kind of disagree with you there, Rich, just a little bit. I don't okay. usually, as you know, but just a little bit. Like, I think it's okay if a player were to say something like that. But if you're the coach um, and you yeah. were the one who, like, really pushed for the move, like, I, I think that's – you chalk that up to a mistake on that part. Yeah. Um that's that's yeah, that's fair. And, yeah. and I motorcycle just revved very loudly outside my house. So my point was emphasized. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, you know, like I, I, and so I think you chalk that like internally, probably you would chalk that up as a mistake. Um, now, obviously didn't didn't do that publicly. But um, you know what? I don't really care about that. I just think that we all saw it kind of for what it was. And it's like, as we always say, football is such a Rorschach test. Like you just see what you want to see in it sometimes, um, especially in situations like this. So um, it's always a always an interesting case study. But I don't think I think it's okay if like you're talking smack as a player, player to player. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think you want to be saying stuff like that. Um, when you are aware of the context that will, and, and maybe chalk it up to him being naive. Maybe I don't think he is naive, but, um, but you don't want to be as a coach, a leader of a program, um, who particularly there are some players who have had disgruntled exits. Like you really don't want to be up there making comments like that. Yeah, now uh, very fair point, Jordan, and, and you you do have to recognize uh, as as a head coach, you're you're on a different level um, than than other people. I, again, I, I don't think he did it deliberately, but uh, I, I think word it vomit. I think it was an, word vomit. I think it was yeah, I think it was an <laughs> honest moment that that got uh, that got slipped yeah. in there. So yeah, uh, October twenty fourth, uh, two thousand twenty one. Get your tickets now when the uh, Detroit Lions visit SoFi Stadium to, sell to uh, tickets. <laughs> yeah, to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, that, that's really going to be something for any number of reasons. Anyway, we got we got months to talk about that. But but Jordan, not to, let's let's circle back here, and we're uh, we're going to be wrapping up soon here. But anybody else who, who particularly grabbed you? I've been asking you the questions, but I, I am curious about certain things. I'm curious about Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. Uh, curious about. Uh, maybe how the offensive line, and I know a lot of the, the we, we've been issuing some disclaimers here, or I have, uh, and, and one thing that people should also know is that you're not seeing a lot of real practice work, for for lack of a better term. I mean, it's it's a very, very different situation than when they get into training camp and it's a, you know, a dual practice or, or you know, they're even going, you know, ones on ones or ones on twos and, and they're really getting intense with it. Um, you don't see a whole lot of that uh, at, at this time of year. So, so the ability to kind of uh, dissect and say like, oh, how did this person look or how did that person look? You're, you're viewing it through the lens of, you know, this period is more about learning than it is about competition for, in large part. But uh, anything about either one of those uh, posi- uh, positions, running back, offensive line, grab you or, or anything else, uh, any, anything that, that, that you think pe- people would be interested yeah, about? Yeah, I think we could pretty much Sharpie Austin Corbett in right now as the guy who they're kind of going to probably run into training camp with as their center. Um, and to me, like, 
Bobby Evans showed up looking really in shape. So I think that's a, a good sign for that right guard spot. Austin Corbett, he's just was he's just been a really solid right guard. So I'm curious to see how that will translate into center. Really, they're not doing much, as you said, much live work. So um, a lot of it's mental, uh, working on that rhythm and that repetition, working on what you're seeing in seven on sevens and calling checks at a, at a rapid rate. Now, this is without many of the pressures and defensive line work that you'll see. So they're in a way easing sort of the the offensive line into it. One thing that was really important was Andrew Whitworth was there throughout the entire spring um, and Rob Havenstein, two veterans who did not have to show up, but were there anyway. Um, and Andrew Whitworth, I think one of the best things is watching him coach other players. So that was really fun to watch. Um, Coleman Shelton and Brian Allen, I think are competing for second, second team center. And, um, Brian Allen, I saw him at right guard, which I'm allowed to tell you because I asked Sean McVeigh about it directly in public on a press conference, which was like kind of an annoying technical question to ask about a second team right guard move. Um, but I was like, Hey, we're not getting this guy for the last, for the next year, for the next six months for the six weeks or so. So I might as well, might as well ask. So, um, Brian Allen was working a little bit at second team, right guard. I think they're trying to get some position flexibility with Brian Allen because, um, you know, you're trying to figure out where he fits in for you and whether he can be a sort of interior swing depth, at center and and uh, maybe left guard and and maybe right guard so that you can activate him as depth on game day. Um, but that so that was interesting to me about the offensive line. And then um, Cam Akers is doing a lot of pass pro work uh, and running running some routes and drills and things like that. So um, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what. Uh, Cam Akers has ahead for us. You know that I've been high on Cam Akers since since the draft, really. Um, so I think that uh, I, I hesitate to get too eager because I know that I'm going to open my email and I'm going to have 15 fantasy football requests about Cam Akers. <laughs> so <laughs> I hesitate to get too in depth, but um, yeah, he, he's uh, yes. he's looking great. Um, working a lot and very closely with Thomas Brown, which was so crucial for him. Um, last season in order to get into that development without a true off season. And I see them working together a lot on pass protection, reps and drills and technique and things like that, which tells me, you, you know, some people might think that it's kind of like an extraneous detail, but what that detail specifically tells me is that Cam Akers wants to be and has been told he they the staff would like him to be an every down back because if you're going to be a first, second, and third down back, particularly in this offense, um, especially to stay on the field for those third downs, you need to be good in pass protection. Um, so that's that's something because those are you know heavier passing downs, and I don't need to tell you this, Rich, but um, just interesting putting the pieces together in, of the puzzle um, that I that I'm fascinated by, and and so those you know. I'm pretty high on Cam Akers, uh, as you guys know. <laughs> so I think I think right. this is going to be fun. Matthew Stafford threw to running backs a lot last season uh, in some of those bevel concepts that that he really liked to do. So that's definitely something to watch for sure. Well, there you go, fantasy football podcast yeah. <laughs> hosts. Uh, that's at Jordan Rodrigue <laughs> on Twitter if you if you want to uh, hit her up for all those guest appearances. 
and I know she, how much she enjoys talking about that uh, every week. But uh, no, it, it is it's a it's a fascinating thing to. Um, I, I, I agree with you about Cam Akers. I think he's I think he has the potential to be something uh, really special. You know, and again, we talked about Terrell Lewis and some of those injury issues. Hopefully, Cam Akers' injuries have not been as as serious and don't seem to be kind of uh, you know lingering long term kind of uh, issues. But he has had some kind of knickknack things that that cause you a little bit of a concern. So uh, you hope that with a with a full year of you know being even being in the building and make make such a difference. You know, weight training and diet and all. The the things that that you can improve on when you're when you're in the building and around more often, uh, I'd imagine that that'll help Cam Akers during this off season and going into next season. But uh, Jordan, before we wrap, one one more thing: we you can't it can't be one of our podcasts without a little bit of special teams talk. Yay. But uh, yeah, what, what what do we what do we think? Uh, obviously, they've been using OTAs to kind of rotate a lot of guys in and out when we're talking about the return positions. And I don't know, Jordan, what's what's your take on the on the punting situation? Is this is this still a little bit of a uh, I don't want to say smokescreen. I don't think that's the right word. But is it is it intended to kind of fire up Johnny Hecker at all a little bit? I mean, bringing these other guys in, we, we talk about, you know, having camp legs and, and the importance of that. And it certainly is an element of it. But is there anything more to that? Or or what was your kind of take when, when you heard some of those? Well, comments? I think um, I think I appreciate that Johnny Hecker is approaching it with like a very realistic sense of of what could happen and what the the situation is. I, I always say this, but I, I think it bears repeating, particularly as we've talked about some of the quarterback stuff and and all of that. Players know what's happening. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of public relations and uh, a lot of 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 narratives that sort of do battle when moves do happen or when things do happen between the team and between the players' own representation. But players, savvy players, players who've been around, players who aren't like buried with don't have their head buried in the sand. They know what's happening. They know what's going on. And it, Johnny Hecker's not naive. He understands that he's making what? $4 million this year, three and a half million dollars this year. Um, and he also understands that they brought in a punter in Corey Baracas, who is very talented, um, who is very cheap and who is competing with him. He, th- he believes is competing with him. Now, I think that if they make a decision on Johnny, it would be more financial related versus actual talent because I think his resume, uh, to quote Les Snead, speaks for itself. But at the same time, Johnny very frankly said he is not naive to the realities of the situation in terms of his contract. I think what helps him a little bit is that Michael Dixon just signed a massive contract up in Seattle because it makes his look look cheaper, (laughs) first of all. And second of all, I think what helps him is um, kind of that that coaching players coach ability that that he has as a as a player and as a veteran player and a leader on the team. Um, You know, I think that in in years past, we would have been able to say things like, oh, you know, the Rams social account tweeted out a great picture of. Johnny Hecker. And so he's in their media guide already. So he's, he's solidified in 2021, <laughs> but after the Josh right. Rosen stuff, like we can't trust that so much anymore. So right. I think, you know, it's one of those things where they will, they will probably be competing through training camp. It also helps. I, I, I asked him this and he was gracious in sharing some knowledge with me where it does help to have a guy like Brock was in camp because they're also trying to figure out who their kick return and punt returners are. So you need guys mm-hmm. who can not only take kickoffs, which is, 
as a veteran, Johnny Hecker should not be expected to do the kickoffs in camp, right? So you want a guy who can do kickoffs with a live leg, and you also want to rep in as many punts as you can in order to work through your punt returners with a live leg because the ball comes off the foot. You can do different things, watermelon punts, Aussie punts, different things, and left-footed punts, all types of stuff with spin and hang time where you can't do that with a jugs machine. And I think that was a big mistake that the Rams made last year uh, was they were on the jugs machine. And so I think that hindered them a little bit in determining their punt returner. Um, so that's, you know, it's going to be interesting, really, really interesting to figure out what happens. Um, Johnny Hecker's approaching it really well, really maturely, uh, as one would expect. But again, players are not naive to the circumstances. And if they are saying that something surprised them, it's, it's like, well, were you just not paying attention or do you maybe need new representation? Cause they weren't paying attention. You know what I mean? So I think, um, mm-hmm. I think that it's, it was really refreshing to hear Hecker talk about, um, the, the ramifications of his contract and the reality of it. And, um, he's, he's just really fascinating, um, to talk to as everybody knows, I think. And then to get a little insight on our favorite subject, um, special teams. Yes. Oh, and then one thing too, sorry to interrupt you, Rich, but then Mm -hmm. Brandon Wright, Brandon Wright is another punter that they brought in and he is really versatile. And this is the epitome of a camp leg um, who could do really well enough to stick because he's got, and I can't believe I'm saying this about a punter, Brandon Wright has position flexibility. Like this guy is (laughs) doing kickoffs in SoFi to help rep through the kick returners. He's punting in SoFi to help, and he's doing placement drills and different things to help rep through the punt returner or the punt returners. And then in one of the, one of the uh, mandatory minicamp practices, he even was kicking place kicking on the skinny goal post to help set up the special teams unit and to rep through the special teams unit so that you can get, the you have a fresher live leg for each time. And I thought that was fascinating. So I, I would keep an eye on him, not necessarily to compete for the actual job, but as one of these guys who they might want to keep around, um, particularly right. with COVID, because he could he could come in and and uh replace anybody uh if you if you need him to. So position flexibility with a punter. How about it? How wow. about it? That is the that is the next level of Rams uh, uh, thinking things through there. That that's pretty awesome. Uh, the next one will be Johnny Hecker, uh, quarterback, position yeah. flexibility there too. I think there were some years there he might have been like the second best right. quarterback on the roster. <laughs> if we're being honest about it, um, so uh, yeah, Jordan, awesome stuff. Uh, I know we, we've covered a lot of ground here. There's so much more Jordan's work in uh, on the athletic, the app, and the website. Please check that out if you haven't already. And Jordan, we're we're not going to be away for very long. Here, do we want it? Mm. Do we want to? Do we want to tease what we're doing on our our next episode? Because we're not we're not going to be very uh, we're not going to be away very long. Let's just say we're going to have a special. Yeah, guest, right? yeah. You you uh, you might think to yourself, hey man, I'd really love to hear less of uh, less of uh, Rich and Jordan. To which I would respond, you can't kick them off if you wanted to. So it's going to be a really interesting guest we've got coming up, and. Wait, uh, wait. And I think that's all I'm going to say about that. But we're we're coming back quick. And in the meantime, make sure to subscribe uh, not only to Kick the athletic. Are you yeah. are you pun are you punning through? <laughs> I'm, I'm working, working my way through. You're working your way through, way through the pun. 
I threw yeah. two Easter eggs in there, and one of them's the real one, so it should be interesting to see who who guesses okay, it. Good. But um, okay. you know, it's it's again, guys, always a pleasure uh, to be able to do this for you. We're excited to have two episodes out this week, including some bonus content, a Q and A that you will be able to tune into via either the Athletic. Uh, app or uh, basically wherever you get your podcasts and it's a special bonus content um, with iTunes that we're really excited about and as always you can subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast to get my favorite thing in the world Rich what is it? A great discount A great discount my favorite thing in the world everybody drink alright we really appreciate you guys don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez and follow Rich Hammond on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond and as always we'll catch you next time